I would like to invite you on a voyage, a crusade, or a quest, whatever you'd like to call it. But a journey nonetheless that began for me many years ago when I hit my own personal metaphorical iceberg. As we all navigate through these uncharted, turbulent waters, this perfect storm entrenched in such polarized shards of dark and light, I hope to use this vessel to unearth and share a few of the beings from around the globe that can hopefully offer some respite during this ambiguous time. I call these individuals the torchbearers, the stewards, or the bridge builders. And in this era of false heroism, dare I even call them the true influencers. We ask the question, who do we recruit aboard this proverbial ark? The ship that will be navigating perilously through this new and unfamiliar territory with a view to reshape and regenerate our relationship with the animal kingdom, one another, and the planet Earth. The only home we know. These are the stewards, the thinkers, and the doers. Accompany me, Rona Mitra, as we voyage onward toward the shores of our undeciphered future. On the last arc. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Last Arc with me, Rona Mitra. I would just like to say thank you very much to everyone who joined in and listened to my chat with Mr. Paul Hilton last week. And I'm also just going to completely come clean and apologize. I know that I said there would be some technical stuff out the gate that might be a bit wibbly wobbly. But the reality is this, and I take complete ownership. So I have this rather fancy mic. I really don't know the difference, but I guess it must be. And um, unbeknownst to me, it has these knobs, bells and whistles on the back. And I had it turned onto a setting, which I suppose would be more suitable were I playing with a band. So um, I think the result of that had it sounding and has it sounding. This should be sounding hopefully okay, better. Um, but between myself and my dog Mushroom, this is like, this is us just trying to figure it, figure it all out. So thank you so much for bearing with me. By episode four, I'm really hoping things that should be sounding a lot more creamy. But um, thank you for bearing with my luditery. I just made that word up. And I just like to say that um, I'm really grateful for the fact that people want to tune in and put their shoulders back and engage in conversations about endangered species, the demise of our planet, um, species going extinct. That has been the theme of the first two episodes. And I know it's, it's a tough one because we're all just really trying to navigate through our own days and deal with our hearts and our heads and anxiety and the realities and pressures of what's going on and some to greater and lesser degrees and I think by the fact that you know if we're listening to this podcast and we have these devices we're probably in a fairly blessed tier and I'm really grateful for anybody who's showing up and listening because what this is about is really putting the cards on the table and then hopefully sharing some tools because we're all trying to muddy through this together. And so with that in mind, I I was thinking about these themes, which are anxiety and addiction and trauma, which are all there for 
all of us really um it, it, it's just depending on whether or not we really define what those look like and what that looks like um the symptoms and the underlying um reality and causes uh, but the, i think that what's coming to the surface now is that we're going to have to confront that this is our this 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 is what's up for us and it's okay <laughs> and we're fractured and we may become more so and as we move through this time in this this orphanage as as i like to call i like to call it i think it's really important that we share our fallibilities and and anything that we can do to help hold each other's hands and guide each other in the right direction i certainly feel is a duty on my part and um those themes being addiction and trauma are very close to me personally i unfortunately i lost my mum due to addiction um which stemmed from trauma and I've gone through my own, not to over-lugubriate, so I'm no stranger to either trauma or addiction. And I just happen to have been incredibly fortunate that at a juncture in my life where things really hit a sort of cul-de-sac, I suppose. And I think some some people will be aware of the fact that I started moving away from a life which I'd say was no longer serving me on a soul level, not to sound too ethereal, but um, not to say also that I am not incredibly grateful for all the opportunities that my acting career has given me, especially in regards to all the places I've traveled and the people I've met. But I decided to, as a result of various different things, I became unwell, due to a vaccination and I healed that by moving to an environment. I lived in a cabin for a couple of years up a mountain and engaged in educating myself about um, diet and plant medicine and um, animal medicine. And I came across this incredible woman. Her name is Cassandra Augier and she is the founder of The Reflective Horse. And what Cassandra and her horses, and not just her horses, she works with many other horses, she can work with your horses if you have horses, if you're fortunate enough. Um, She is a conduit for a very specific type of somatic um, journey, which engages a healing, which is unlike anything that I have ever seen. And there are many different modalities, and they all have their place, I suppose. But I do think that the the work and the healing that takes place specifically with a horse above um, many other animals, because of their size, because of their spirits, because of what they represent as mirrors to us, is it's it's unlike anything I've experienced and it's unlike anything I've seen. And I felt compelled to share um, Cassie's work and also my appreciation and my respect and reverence for the animal, the horse itself. I think and I feel that they are a representation for the rest of the animal kingdom and they are they are almost here as a, as a totem to, to speak for and connect with um, because it's not like you can really do this work with elephants or tigers uh, so easily. And... Uh, I hope that this is, it offers some respite or maybe an avenue that 
people hadn't thought of exploring before because I think that people are going to be running to doctor's offices and maybe being misdiagnosed with depression or borderline or bipolar or goodness knows what and and hopefully not be thrown a bunch of prescription medication and hopefully we don't run to the liquor cabinet and self-medicate because that's really gonna you know send us backwards down the spiral so any modalities of healing I think that we can share um, are really going to take us in a direction of 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 wholeness and that's that's where we need to get to is back to back to one where we're all together taking care of each other so anyway I'm rambling on I really hope you enjoy the chat and um, I look forward to your comments and um, I'm very happy to introduce you to Cassie Ogier are you there my dear Cass I am reading me loud and I'm present, present and correct, matron. So to everybody out there, I've done a bit of an intro before Cassie was online with us, and I said all sorts of cheeky things about you. Um, but oh. Cassie, Cassie, Cassandra Augier is um, the, the, did I say that right? Augier. Yes, I, that was quite, quite good. Quite a good French accent you put on there. Yeah, well, you know, it's cultured, isn't it? And we study French in school, so I, I, have, I, I think I might, I might. May we, may we, may we. May we, madame. Cassie, people are going to be wondering what are two birds? Birds in English means two fillies, means two females, two women. What, do, what does the conversation about horses have to do with the price of fish right now um, in our current climate? And mm -hmm. so, so to everybody, Cassie is the founder of The Reflective Horse. And rather than me explain, because I think there's a big muddle as to the difference between equine therapy and equine guided empowerment, which is the term that you like to use, isn't it, Cass? Yes, it is. That is. right? Yeah, most and, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're spot on. So... What I wanted just to share to sort of tee this up with, with all the events that are taking place on the planet right now and the reason why you and I actually, well, we got back in contact because we have our connection with horses, but we got back in contact, I think, because of the myriad ailments that are coming to the surface that have been brewing and have been bubbling and you have been of service to meet people through these malaises that are of the human variety um, that have now become very pre prevalent. So those are trauma, anxiety, abuse, addiction, which we are unfortunately going to see much more of throughout this time and on the other side of it, um, you know, or, you know, hopefully if, when, if and when we do get through the other side of this. And so I felt mm -hmm. very important because you have made such a huge um, effect and impact on my life through horses, through the magic of how it is they've helped guide me and heal me and reconnect me um, and still do on a daily basis, um, even though I'm not with them all the time. And so I wanted to share with some people what it is that you are the conduit for in this human life form. and 
how it is that you came to find yourself as being this human conduit for these incredible spirit animals and maybe share with us your journey how you got here and and maybe I suppose define and help clarify what the fundamental difference I suppose is is between equine therapy and equine guided empowerment mm. mm -hmm. Yes, well, I'm going to go straight back to your first point, which is what has it got to do with the price of fish at the moment? And um, what I feel is relevant to all of your questions is the presence and the grounding that horses, horses bring us to. And I think that is the fundamental kind of you know base point fish price um that it brings everybody to and because they're very powerful and large beings whether or not you have anything or any experience with them there is something about them that evokes a sense of awe or certainly curiosity some fear um and how one actually is going to interact with a being that's, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 pounds. And I think that, you know, just wanting to kick it off with that because people may not have any experience or, you know, much interest in horses. But I think that that is the point that that kind of vastness that they they show us and also the freedom and the power that they evoke is something that when we meet them um, we can explore that within ourselves that grounding that presence the freedom the power the majesty um, and all of those things kind of come in a in a package when we meet horses um, who aren't subjugated and I like to work with horses with a lot of freedom involved um, rather than not that there's anything wrong with it but it's a different kind of you know avenue is to be you know putting tack on them and putting a piece of metal in their mouth and a saddle and strapping them down and controlling them so that's not what this is about um it's about really finding out more about yourself through this portal and this kind of reverence that you have to have when the horse is free and you're free and like what's going to happen how's this dance going to go on so that's kind of like my price of fish Right. But also the fact is that's not something you can do when people talk about whispering, which, you know, people get, you know, the titles, oh, he's a horse whisperer, oh, she's a, you know, a, a tiger whisperer or whatever it is. You know, with a horse, there is something in between um, the, 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 I suppose, the danger slash respect level, which is much like the ocean. I feel I feel the same way about horses as I do with the ocean, which is a an automatic respect, and also the lack of ability to control it, which is I have to adhere and listen to you first before I can find my place with you. And in that process, what happens is it, is that from the time that I've shared with you is that ultimately 
one of the first things that has to fall in is humility. You know, is that letting go of, as you mm-hmm. said, the tools to be able to control. So the natural things, which when we're bringing it back to, keep on talking about fish, but the price of fish, of what it, why it's prevalent now is because we use these tools which have, which as human beings have been our sort of, I suppose, how we've coped and how we've survived, but they are all ego-fueled. So it's all based around control and the need to manage external forces through control, rather the, mm-hmm. the innate harnessing of our true strength of who we are. And so, like you said, without the bits and without the, the saddles and the whips and all of that mentality, what are you left with? And so what are, what are, what are, what are you left with? And just I wanted to share that, Cass, you work with young children, young people who've been through abuse in the home, addiction. You work with groups in as far as um, uh, companies that come in and deal with hierarchical uh, reconfiguration on a sort of egoic level, I suppose. You work one-on-one with individuals. You work with, and we'll go on to this a little bit later, women who've been through sexual trauma and abuse. But there is there is a kind of common um, vein of the, the healing that takes place which um, is very specific and different through this somatic approach, which is which I would love you to explain to everybody. I had the privilege of experiencing it and understanding that what you offer is that you yourself as a human get out of the way and allow the horses to do the, to do the connecting and the healing. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe you can share with us how that takes place and where you see the common threads in all layers of trauma and how that unfolds and how the the actual healing takes place. Mm, Yeah. Well, I love what you said, just that the, um, this point in time and just talking about the, the tools that we've, you know, kind of lived by uh, in a way, you know, management control and, you know, our systems are all kind of falling apart now and underneath it, you know, what is it, who, who are we or what is it that is our, um, our strength, you know, what's our metal, what's our grounding. I really love that, you know, the way that you framed that. Um, and that kind of goes into this, this somatic idea and somatic, Uh, for me, means in the body, distinct from the mind. So it's not an intellectual process. It's not a a concept. It's about experiencing yourself uh, in the body from the inside out. I like to say it's an inside out, um, insight-based coaching kind of thing. I'm guiding a process where I'm helping you to um, become present and all of it is in relation to the horses. So I'm not just asking you to, you know, be present because I want you to, or be present, you know, because it's good for you. But I'm saying, if we're going to be um, interacting with horses, we need to be present. We need to be fully aware. We need to have a 360 awareness because horses are unpredictable and, you know, they do unpredictable things. So we have to um, 
our best scenario with them is to really understand what it means like to to come back to your own grounding and that can be through breath it can be through walking it can be through certain exercises that allow us to get um, a biofeedback really from the horses as to when we're in that place of grounding and we really are there and not just we think we are because the horses will respond to us when we're in that grounding, when we're actually, when we actually do let go, when we actually do come to ground. And that can be very vulnerable for people, especially when they go out in the world with a lot of masks or, you know, kind of layers of how they're going to interact with people. And horses don't fall for that. They're just not interested. They can kind of see when there's an untruth and they feel, or rather feel when there's an untruth or an incongruence. And then when you actually drop into presence, they want to engage with you. They feel safe and they feel comfortable. Um, and, you know, we could go into why that is, but I think fundamentally, you know, um, they see through those masks that we can, um, you know, be human to human and we, um, yeah, we, we may not trust someone totally. And so we put on masks or barriers, but the horses see straight through that. Does that answer your question? Yeah, they, they call you on your rubbish. They call, basically, they, they, are, they hold a mirror to you. With the people that you have worked with, I'm curious, what has been some of the most, you know, the most, over, most extraordinary examples of, without giving away, obviously, confidentiality, but what have been some of the most extraordinary transformations through the work that you've done with people? Well, I think um, that what comes to mind is about, uh, is, is a scenario which actually often happens, but it's about um, setting boundaries and although, um, you know, I now understand that actually boundaries are, are flexible, um, what the horses really show us is um, our right to claim space, our right to um, be able to set a boundary and say, no, I don't want you to come any closer and when you're ready to be able to be open and allow the horse to step in. And that is a very powerful, um, that's very powerful for a lot of people, because I think that, you know, when you go, you, what you said earlier is that our society is very based on these values and these um, uh, societal values, like the way that we are supposed to interact with people. And, you know, we always, we tend to give people the benefit of the doubt or we don't want to be rude and we allow people to encroach on our space even when we feel it's not right. And so this, this um, example with the horses is that you have to really be clear and be clear somatically in your body that you don't want the horse to approach because it is huge and, you know, you have to be clear about that. So we, we learn how to do that. And I think that is probably one of the most powerful pieces um, that people come to because they realize that it is really okay to say no. And it's 
very clear what the when you're really clear that you don't want something to happen and you don't want the horse to approach and uh, a 1500 pound animal stops in front of you and respects that it's extremely powerful but it's really difficult to find that human to human because we tend to say all those things come up in our mind because of our you know conditioning our societal conditioning um you know we we don't say no and we don't say excuse me i need a bit of space or we don't say no thank you or anything like that so i think that's one of the most powerful the most powerful pieces that it it, it comes up a lot for people um that they are really it's safe to make a boundary and it is um it's just a huge release for people when they actually realize that and they embody that rather than talking about it and saying, oh, I know I should have boundaries. But this is an embodied experience, which when you have an embodied experience, your mind can't play those tricks on you anymore. You, you get to feel deeply that you do, have a, you do have a right to space. You do have a right to a no you also have a right to an invitation. And I don't think it's very hard to experience that anywhere else. And why, why is that so important in as far as in, this, in, in the relationship to say, I suppose it makes sense, of course, in a, as far as abuse, um, when an individual defines that line, that boundary, where, is, wh- wh- where does that, what does that open up for his or her life? in in any kind of environment do you then allow the space for your own strength to grow so you can actually define your own narrative rather than it being a reactive one based on somebody else's behavior or or external forces so whether it be I mean I'm thinking of for example on mass now whether it be you know groups of people and communities who just feel you know through systemic abuse and, and, and traumatization that they just are following one way because they haven't defined another way for themselves. On a macro level, I would think about, you know, obviously abuse within a relationship, abuse within a work environment. And then, of course, there's abuse within the home where, you know, a child it feels X, Y, and Z and, and therefore has turned to drugs. But are you saying that, because I, I, I totally agree with you and I've, I've only come to understand how strong boundaries are and what they mean, because when you do define those boundaries, what it means is actually you're starting to allow yourself to respect yourself enough and love yourself. Exactly. Enough. Allow yourself to say, now I'm taking care of me rather than handing the keys of the kingdom over to you or any other force. And then, and then it leaves space to grow. And then it leaves space to love yourself. And then it leaves space to accept yourself. And it opens up all possibilities of your true authentic expression to actually come to the surface, surface rather than you having been a, a sort of, you know, an entity that was just responding to external forces as a victim, in fact. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah bingo. Yeah, and, and, and boundaries actually become self-honoring. That's what boundaries are. I mean, one of my, one of my students actually kind of coined that phrase within our, our training program is boundaries are actually self-honoring. Mm. 
and you're you're honoring yourself and right now um you know we could say and it's it sounds like it would make sense for people who've experienced um abuse or had boundaries crossed but actually when we think about it well this is what came to my mind is that right now we are having to claim space i mean that's what our life is now with covid is I need to be six feet away from you and that person looks like they're just going to walk straight towards me and they haven't got a mask or whatever it is. And I think that it's extremely relevant uh, right now because even that can be challenging for people. You know, just the fact that you're asking somebody to give you space um, can be confronting. So here's where I think... um some people are going to be wondering what this has to do with them. And I feel that myself included, that there's such a huge amount of denial as to the, the subtleties and nuances of trauma and what that actually, and the implications of trauma. And that's partly due mm-hmm. to the fact that there are these broad terms, you know, that PTSD, of course, you know, war vets, um, sudden death, sudden traumatic experiences, car crashes, big life events. And so there's a whole slew of beings running around the planet who um, are, in fact, the, um, the, 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 the product of um, years and generations of actual, you know, a knock-on effect, a domino effect, a lineage, an imprint of a traumatic lineage that we even come into this world with that some people aren't aware of, you know, and um, why this is is so prevalent in this day and age and why I think it's important that people acknowledge that and feel it's okay to acknowledge that because little boys are told to, you know, be little soldiers and keep a stiff upper lip and one mustn't cry or the, you know, just the subtleties of having, you know, parents who are narcissists or addicts and then you replicate those relationships through life and then you have these fractures that throughout life that just slowly break you down and make you more susceptible to fundamentally abandoning yourself from your true identity. Do you feel that this is something that comes through you and has come through you and has been part of your journey and is being guided um, by something? outside of you to be here for this healing for both sides you know animal and human because this is not a one-way street of healing yeah I mean I do feel that I do feel I've been guided and I think that you pointing to people it, it is an individual journey that people have their own unique experience of this, but the unique experiences of them finding their own true north, their own essence, and to actually start to believe in that, to believe in that something that is greater. And I think that that's the magic that the horses bring is there's an element of the unknown, which is represented as the horse. I mean, that, you know, we could say that there's so much magic, but, you know, people don't believe in magic a lot until they experience it. But, you know, um, the horse is a portal to seeing this pure essence that 
you look in their eyes and and that is what you see you see that purity of spirit you see that freedom and it's so moving like it's so it touches your heart um and it can it cracks through so many layers and you know my particular journey began with an interaction with an equine which really kind of was unexplainable um when i was between 4 and 6 years old and um there was nobody else around and i formed this relationship um you know and got to understand and have a yeah a non-verbal communication with this animal that i managed to climb on its back and you know get it to you know it walked down the field with me on its back with no ropes or halters or anything and i think that when i look back on it that was such a deeply um transformational and informative place that i look back on that and think wow i created a safe relationship with a being that was obviously a lot bigger than me because i was between 4 and 6 years of age and um no one was around to tell me how to do this and somehow or other our communication allowed me to get on that being's back and to be walking around with no tools of control and i think back and look at the work that i'm doing with people and um think well that's not a coincidence you know that i want the tools to be stripped away and because when the tools are stripped away the only thing you're left with is relationship and communication and a reciprocal exchange that isn't about one person giving something up um and so i'm pretty certain that is why i'm doing the work that i've i do there's a you know um a symbiosis that i feel and i i feel like the horses are my allies i mean i'm just pointing people to their own true north to their own true essence i'm just pointing to it the horses help me to get people there or maybe i help horses to get people there i'm not really sure it kind of you know crosses borders um i'm not channeling i'm just seeing the truth and i get to um i think i'm pretty good at spotting people's tr- truth too you know um like the horses are i wanted to ask you about without berating but looking into not just what the traditional riding um establishments you know across the world due to the horses but also what they do to the conditioning of a human's mind a small human's mind where we're we're taught that by having this majestic animal brought to you tacked up metal in mouth saddle on back girth tightened to you know like a you know victorian dame um that you know there's a conditioning that we are you know we are the, these animals are here for us to basically use for our own pleasure and these words that are wrapped around breaking a horse 
which is just a, the most barbaric phrasing ever, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and the other one is controlling your horse. Those are the ones that just get repeated over and over and over. It's two words, break and control, break and control in the horse world. And um, yes, there, of course, there are wonderful people with horses who have incredible connections, but still, regardless, what you're doing is you're commanding and and controlling a, a, this majestic being through force and fear. And so, yes, there are riding schools, of course, who tell you to, you teach you how to tack up your horse and, and how to, you know, take part in the whole story. But for the most part, it's such a draconian system. It's so reptilian. And for both parties, it breeds this, this uh, pain and this ongoing, you know, abuse and suffering cycle. And, um, you know, you see it with stabled horses. They are just, they are dead. They are broken spirits. They have had enough, you know. So what, it, what is it that if you could have your ideal say, um, situation and as far as I, how it is these schools are run, what would it that you would go in and, and change? Much like, you know, you've got people like Paul McCartney going into schools trying to implement vegan foods and whatever. Like, what is it here that could really help change? Because riding is one of those things that little girls particularly, but... Little girls, little boys, and people really enjoy it. not going anywhere. Polo's not going anywhere. Um, you know, gauchos aren't going anywhere. Lipizzano horses aren't going. You know, this whole. So, what what is it that we can be more aware of as 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 human beings, or even people who are listening out there who are parents who've never even thought about the fact that their little girls want to go to riding school on a Sunday? Um, what is it they should be looking for? And what is it that riding schools could be doing differently? Mm, well, it's a, it's a big, it's a big, it's a big question. Um, I mean, when you were talking, I'm just thinking about the conditioning, you know, that we don't see how sad something is or how uncomfortable something is. And we don't give we're not really looking, we're not being empathic. You know, it's like you just said to me, if this has taught me anything, that it's about, you know, how I affect other people or how I affect another being, you know, by my presence. I think that that's the point. It's until you see uh, beyond the conditioning, you're not, you're not necessarily going to see it because you've, it is just, you know, our culture our culture, you know, subjugates and uses others, um, you know, humans included, until we see that, you know, wow, that is a piece of metal that we're putting in a horse's mouth. And pretty much every photograph that you see, there's horses dribbling with saliva, you know, which has a term, the horse is on the bit. That means the horse is focused on the piece of metal that's in its mouth, and it is drooling because it can't really think of anything else except the thing that's in its mouth. And we make it do beautiful things, but it isn't really looking at, around its, at its environment anymore. It's not seeing a 360 um, response to its environment. It is thinking about the thing that's in its mouth and what's on its back that is basically controlling it like a puppet. And, you know, I could get some stick for saying that, but until we see that the subjugation of another for our own 
pleasure is not really a great thing to do, it's not going to change. So, you know, and I think that, you know, people are like, but don't horses do that? You know, isn't that like a good thing? But it's when you start to see beyond what that is, you know, like horses with their mouths open, you know, twisted with a large kind of jackhammer of a bit in their mouths, you know, running around. It's just, that's the way it's seen right now. People don't love their horses and don't care for their horses and, you know, have a relationship with their horses. It's just something that I've seen that doesn't sit well with me. And I would much rather explore how much freedom I can give in relationship. I'm much more interested in having the relationship, not based on me. You know, you said, like, it, it's like having a one night stand. You know, if, if that's how it seems to me now, if I go and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to get you from the field, I'm going to put a halter on you and I'm going to ride you. Like, even those words now kind of feel a bit, a bit weird. It's like, all oh, right, so I'm not even going to see how you feel about this. I'm not even going to, you know, take the time to spend some time with you first. I'm just going to get on, you know. So, so I think that I'm luckily in a position where, you know, equine therapy or therapeutic um experiences with horses don't necessarily mean getting on the horse and so in this realm of you know a therapeutic experience with horses um I've been able to explore my you know what feels right to me and what feels right for the horses and so that's what my my program has become actually the horse is present but the horse can be entirely free to come and go. But what that means is that the responsibility is on the human being having wanting to be in relationship. And the human being has to keep looking at itself in order to be in relationship. And how amazing and powerful that is when that horse walks towards you because it feels that there is an energetic exchange and you haven't done anything. You haven't corralled it. You haven't, you know, directed it in a certain way. You haven't, you know, um, bribed it. It just wants to be with you because you're purely being you. And that to me is powerful. And I've seen that that's powerful for people. And so it's a completely different experience. Like one is, you know, kind of mindless and subjugating and the other is what what can I find out uh, how can I be curious about this relationship and it's it's just the other end of the spectrum that's that's it and you've asked me you know what would I do in an ideal world and I'd say you know wow wouldn't it be great if you could I think kids would flipping love that. I mean, all the, I've done my time on, you know, summer camps with horses um, and, and little kids. And it's great. They love it when you start telling them about, you know, how the herd works and how, 
how they're moving each other and how you approach the horse and you know where it likes being brushed and you know it's it's a beautiful thing to see kids you know being able to build that relationship mm-hmm. um and they re- respond to that and they actually have experiences where they don't need all those tools of control because the horse is like this kid's cool you know and they feel something they feel a connection they feel the the truth they feel the purity they don't want to be you know trying to run away you know from the bit or whatever it is so you know I think it's really possible and there's lots of people doing versions of that so and it's fabulous to see this um arc of change from you know breaking horses and you know the amazing people that started you know natural horsemanship Ray Hunt you know Monty Roberts and you know Buck Brannaman and and how that arc is just changing all the time it's you know we're we're seeing more we're understanding more and we're needing to put less on it and spend more time relating and that you know that is it's swinging it's it's so beautiful to see and you know there's an arc that is in process right now and i think that's the true with our society right now we're in it we can't do all that shit that we did before you know we're we're sitting back and we you know are wondering whether we want to do the same things with our lives whether we want to spend all that time you know racing around whether we want to slow down you know it's a huge massive transition for anyone so I'm not trying to generalize but we have the opportunity to think more about what we want listen deeply to others listen to ourselves and maybe that is going to be the change you know for horses all animals you know just a, a mindfulness and a, and a more of a deep listening as we come to our own vulnerability our own vulnerability that really we've got a short time span on this planet probably even shorter now and uh, what are we going to do with that? How do we want to spend that time? You know, how do we want to connect? So, yeah, that's, that's my uh, two pence worth. There's one, what happens when you allow yourself to slow down out of necessity? And so, obviously, we're all being forced to do that, which is something that our nature as human beings has come to resist is that there's this fast track to what I want and what I expect to happen. And so mm-hmm. what's really wonderful about the, the relationship and the journey which you um, are talking about with the herd and with the horses is that it, it necessitates that and facilitates that. And, um, it requires it a hundred percent. There's no fast track and there's no specific rule. The only thing is unlearning everything that you thought that went before. And that is the most difficult part. What I think that it is that you offer in this connection, in this healing is an opportunity for people to be guided back to their purpose and their, and, and their own North Pole. So we have the, we might mm-hmm. have the opportunity to reconnect to a greater 
possibility of healing ourselves mm -hmm. and each other. And I haven't seen a more effective way of doing that. These courses and these programs that you offer, which I want to get into, which are, you have the equine guided empowerment, you have somatic riding, you have the mentorship and consulting, and then you have the, the, the reflective horse uh, mastery program. And then you have the she hurt power, just the survivors of sexual assault. And then you were the first on-site equine therapy somatic riding program in Southern California for substance abuse and abuse and mental health within uh, for, for youth. So as it is right now, um, talk me through the um, the difference between the different programs that you offer, if you wouldn't mind. Yes. Um, I'd be delighted to. Um, so the equine guided empowerment is an embodied experience of really everything we've spoken about. It's about reconnecting with yourself from the inside out in relation to a herd of horses. Um, I work specifically with four horses, but there's other members that join that group um, and it's an inside out experience of somatic reprogramming um, which basically means that you're going to go through some embodied experiences which in my experience really shift people from their intellect and through analyzing, you know, traumas that they've been through into actually experience what it's like to, to break through those in relationship with the horses. So that is what equine guided empowerment is and uh, somatic reprogramming is, is a part of that. Um, somatic riding is something that I, I really, actually have chosen not to offer that to a huge amount of people, but it is uh, based on what we've been talking about. It is the fundamentals of relationship with horses and it can end up as a bareback and bitless, meaning no bits in the mouth, no saddles, um, riding experience. But what I found is that it's quite difficult to teach it because people have the agenda of wanting to ride the horse. And that is totally understandable because it's usually in, in weekends. So you're coming for, you know, three weekends and you at some point you want to get on the horse and have that experience. So I'm kind of trying to tailor that in a way that it gives people tools to explore being with horses first off. And that can build into a bareback and bitless riding experience. And I've, I've done week-long retreats in Costa Rica, which work really, really well because you have this extended time period where you're with the horse for seven days. Um, but, you know, I often work with people with their horses too, which is great because they have the relationship with that horse. So, you know, I can help them to kind of see the horse and listen to the horse in that way and that's very effective so you know there's a there's a little little party of things that you know can happen in the somatic riding realm and um she had power which as you said i founded with beth bears which is specifically trauma related uh women who've experienced sexual trauma 
And it looks like we are going to be offering She Heard Power programs um, for small groups in the next months. Um, and all of the exercises that we've talked about, all of the equine guided empowerment and somatic reprogramming are in that program. So essentially, it's all the same program, but this is pointed in the direction of women who've experienced sexual trauma. That's what She Heard Power is about. Um, but we have been talking about exactly our conversation that, you know, everybody has trauma. It, you know, it, it's, we're just, that's part of our life. You know, we, things happen, you know, we, we move through them. And so, you know, in the next year, we're just thinking about how we might reframe that um, at some point. But for now, it is for women um, who've experienced sexual abuse or sexual trauma. You know, I think that this, this work or this way of looking at things is really great for people who, who feel in their gut that there's an embodied experience that they can have that will help them move through the limitations that our mind puts on when we've experienced trauma. And, I, and I'm really clear that somatic experiences shift people through that very quickly. And they, and it, you know, it's, it goes so deep that a lot of the time I don't even talk with my clients about their trauma. You know, they may not feel comfortable or safe or they want to come and explore, you know, they want to explore something with me and we don't even have to talk about it. You know, they know what's going on and because it's in relationship with the horses, they just naturally start moving through their own blocks. We don't even have to discuss it. So it, it's pretty amazing in that way that the experience you have just takes you through your own healing without even having to pinpoint it. And that, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, it's the thing I like about it the most because you don't even realize at the time how it's happening. I do think that there's something, and I don't want to say necessarily dangerous, but I think counterintuitive about talking over and, and talking about trauma and reliving the past verbally because the body doesn't understand when we talk about things. And I, I do believe there's a place for acknowledging and I think there are safe people and environments where we can talk about things that happened in the past. But to over and rehash scenarios um, again and again and being given permission to do that either by therapists or in group settings, you're telling the body to relive the experience again. So you're reliving the trauma because your body doesn't know what happened in 1978 or 1988 or 2008 when your body is telling the story, it's, it's, it's evocative. It's basically telling your being that that's what's happening. So you're reliving the trauma mm -hmm. again. And so while I think that, that it's okay to share that, I think that the releasing of it and the moving forward with it and the empowering and replacing that space where the trauma took place with something else, what are you replacing it? With? And that's where, and why I love the word the empowerment and why it's so essential because what you're not doing is just regurgitating you know the trauma 
and allowing it then just to sit mm-hmm. there exposed in this unsafe place with nothing to hold it. But the beauty of, of being with a horse in that moment is that there is this instant, um, it, it's not an anesthetic, but it quells. So it's almost like exposing the pain, but at the same time, employing this wonderful blanket of safety and strength that is inexplicable, that happens simultaneously. So while the pain comes up and the trauma or the memory comes up through the body, the horse at the same time instantaneously replaces that with a knowing inner strength that mirrors your own inner strength that that reminds you that you can heal yourself. And the horse Mm -hmm. in that moment is there to do that for you. But you don't need, and I think what's really important, you don't need to always be with the horse to remember what that strength is. And Mm -hmm. the beauty of it is if you remind yourself of what that feeling is like, then you can carry that with you everywhere. Absolutely. I don't even do it a credit by trying to speak about it because you have to. No, you're doing a great credit. You're really, uh, it's beautiful what you're saying. I, I mean, I love what you're saying. And it actually has reminded me that, you know, quite often I've worked with people over a weekend and um, then we've had coaching calls or mentorship calls, I call them, um, thereafter. And that piece that you're saying, you know, you need to have that embodied piece and that embodied experience with the horse. And then this connection that I've kept for a period of time with people when they want to check in, it's just a reminder. And I think it does need that reminder because we're so used to going, you know, overthinking and, and going back, back into loops or, you know, triggers. My job is to just be reminding where that's, where that North Star is or where that compass is, where, you know, coming, bringing you back to that grounding. And the other thing I wanted to point out is that She Heard Power is actually a free program. So She Heard Power actually sponsors people to be able to do the Equine Guided Empowerment Programs. So that uh, is a a resource just to um, put out there. Um, And I hope that, you know, this work and the reason that I'm doing the Mastery Program to teach people how to do what I do is that they those people can therefore take this out to their communities and just have it be you know something that is more accessible to more people and you know that hopefully we can help more horses too Um, because you don't need sport horses or any particular kind of a horse to do this work you actually need horses that our horses themselves, you know, that get to enjoy their life and, you know, be free and we get to interact with them. So it's a win-win on that front. Yeah, which is the most important part as far as I'm concerned, because otherwise it's all about us again, isn't it? It is. It's all about us again. to turn it around when we can. It's the herd. We're part of a herd, aren't we, Cass? <laughs> yeah. We're part of a big we are. herd. 
You know, when I when I remind myself, because as as you know, I, I think if I hadn't met you, I don't know if I would have ended up creating my space where I have my own children now, my family, my herd. And I often question <laughs> I often question like how on earth did I get down there and how did I do it? And then I just go back out and I ask them and they remind me. And I still don't have a solid answer but I know that there's no other truth that I can be living because I know that the truest place that I exist when I am in service to them and being able to share their gift of healing. And so I, it bleeds into all areas of my life because when I stray away from that in all my relationships, work, my family, um, lovers, uh, which is why I am single, because quite frankly, no one matches up to the integrity of a horse, and also, no one else puts me or nothing. I've yet to, I've yet to find one. Well, well, then we've got that in common, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. I would not have gone on this journey. You're always on my shoulder in some of the toughest times when I've been down there really trying to figure out what it is that is being required, what is required of me in the moment where I'm being challenged by this incredibly powerful wild being and you're right there on my shoulder. And it's always, it's the most powerful but sometimes the most painful thing to have to go through because it means I have to dig deeper into my own crap and mm-hmm. um and it's never ending it's never ending you know and that's the realization is that it's all there in you if you trust it and i think that's the most beautiful thing is like of course there's no wrong you can't be telling other people how to behave or how to do their thing but how much beauty and how much freedom is in there when you have the patience and the 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 trust in yourself to actually allow this relationship to unfold, you'll never go back to any other way. That's the reality. And so... um, That is it. That's the, that's the, that is the looking through the looking glass. That's going, that's, that's going down the, the wonderful rabbit hole of it. And I'm so grateful that I, I had you to guide me down that rabbit hole with our four-leggeds and you were there at the beginning to meet me like the Cheshire cat and I'm so glad it's a non-you yeah, were on a mish you were on a mish girl I mean I knew that you were going to do that really you you knew that you were going to do that I mean I I don't think I could have said the fine details but you were on a mission to be discovering about the horse and how it was gonna guide you and how you were gonna get to where you got to. And I think you kind of knew all that, you know? So, I mean, I just saw the direction your arrow was pointing in and I was like, yeah, you know, that's, that, that's it. You know, that's the great thing about being a mentor is that, you know, I'm just, I'm just like, you know, getting the aim right with you, you know, I suppose in some ways. So yeah, it was all there. 
was all there. The bow was set. You had a little backpack and you were like, we're going to see all these people with, who do stuff with horses. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I mean, you know, we're on a mission to reconnecting people with their hearts. You know, you could call it heart. You could call it true nature, their essence. You know, that's, that's it. What else are we going to do? And it's, and it's there. You know, everybody's got it. It's just a matter of, you know, reconnecting with that and being guided by that and trusting in that and just forgetting the idea that we're driving the car you know that we're at the at the wheel you know and I think it's just re-plugging people in to you know their their own source and you know that's that's uh that's the fun part I I, I love doing that you know yeah. I love getting people back in touch with that it's an ongoing journey and I'm so glad to be on it with you and thank you so much for taking the time to share all of your wonderful wonderful treasures and insights with everybody and um yeah thank you Rana. love you yeah love you too bye bye thank you everyone for joining in my chat with Madame Cassie. Um, my goodness, we can yabber. That's just girls chatting. And I realized that we just sound like the same person. I, 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 could anyone even differentiate who was who? Um, so, so strange, that connection between her and I. And yet not so strange. I, I hope you enjoyed that and that you follow up and um, check out Cassie's work on her websites, which I will be posting, thereflectivehorse.com, and also her Instagram page, which is The Reflective Horse, and check out all her programs. And thank you very much for tuning in. And if you would care to, you can rate and review on whatever platform you listen on, which Acast, Apple, Spotify, I would really appreciate that. It would be great to hear back from you. It would be really lovely to hear what you think. Um, any feedback, all of it's welcome. And um, I hope you're all taking care of each other. I hope you're keeping full hearts and clear heads. And I send you a big hug. Until next week. Mm-hmm.